Hey Atari Hackers, welcome to this week's podcast episode. In this week's episode, Mark and I are going to be sharing 10 of our favorite tools of 2021, how we use them and how you can take advantage of them. One thing we're going to be talking a lot about also is recurring subscription, is how to manage your subscriptions for the tools so that you don't spend too much money and you don't end up stacking too many subscriptions, which is really quite annoying when you're buying IM tools because you end up stacking a lot of them. So if you're excited to discover new tools and discover how you can get more bang for your buck buying tools, I suggest you get comfortable and enjoy this episode. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Authority Hacker Podcast. Today I am back with Mark. We are going to be doing an episode on our favorite tools of 2021 because there has been a bunch of new interesting tools and I know you guys love tools. I wanted to go over them and what makes them good, what makes them bad, maybe what they replaced in our tool stack as well because I think that obviously is going to be retiring some other tools and just overall how we feel about them. But before we go on and talk about interesting tools, we're going to talk about something even more interesting and that's how Mark is doing because I know you had an exciting week, Mark. What happened? I was just about <laughs> to say I have nothing exciting to share. Ah, God uh, there, I've literally not been doing very much. I was I was down in Oxford, but it was nothing interesting. I was taking my wife there for some course she was doing. But uh, Your wife yeah. disagrees. But anyway, okay, well, then let's just jump onto the tool. Sorry, guys, I really tried to make it exciting, but Mark <laughs> wasn't very into it. I just uh, don't right. have that interesting of a life. Mm. I'm sorry. Yeah, I think people people fantasize our lives quite often when I talk to people. They imagine that it's like <laughs> fucking amazing and stuff. It's like, I think I think the most exciting thing we're doing is like this podcast right now, you know, otherwise it's just... Uh, didn't, it's, you, <laughs> didn't you start playing golf or something? No, I haven't played golf because I uh, I twisted my ankle last week, so I couldn't uh, go play golf. That now that's interesting. I want to hear about that. Uh, uh, I, well, I always had really bad ankle support, uh, and I've I've always been a very flexible person. Like when I was a kid, I, I was a gymnastics. I could do a full split, you know, like literally, like I was like I could just completely flex really? my arms behind my back, etc., like crazy stuff. And so like uh, that has translated into poor ankle support in my adult life. And that means that when I go hiking after a few hours, usually my ankles get tired and lose support and I twisted my ankle, unfortunately. So my week also hasn't been very interesting because most of it was just spent at home letting the ankle heal. But I guess the more interesting part is I was a flexible kid when I was a kid. So here you go. Here's a bit, a bit of See, my personal life. that's more interesting. I think you should start these podcasts with me asking you how it's going instead. You can't think of a way to tie something interesting to your life. It's like, I'm sure you could do it, but I'll teach you one day. But anyway, you know what you could do probably is you could probably use the first tool we're going to mentioning the list to come up with a better idea of what you could say when I ask you how it's going, because it actually has a creative story mode in there. And what is that tool, Mark? That tool is Jarvis.ai, which they've actually renamed themselves recently. Up until a couple months ago, they were called Conversion.ai. Now, they are a very interesting tool. I've actually done a separate YouTube video, which will be coming out um, <laughs> how long have last you been week or this? next week. It's been going on for so long that they've, they've gone through a full rebrand and change their name, so I had to refilm the video. But there we go. That will be out soon. If it's not already on the Authority Hacker YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe to see that. Anyway, this is an AI content generator tool. Now, back when we first started doing SEO in sort of 2009, 2010, a big part of what we did back then was article spinning. If anyone remembers from, from back in the day, you would take an article, usually someone else's, and then you would change 
using a tool would generate like per- different permutations of various words. So instead of, I don't know, instead of up, you may have the word above or something like that instead. So this tool would do that for every single word or every single phrase in there. And you would end up with thousands or millions of permutations of, of different combinations of article, these words. Yeah. And it would be terrible, like illegible, horrible stuff. But that was imp- it didn't matter. That was what basis for a, a lot of link building tools, like the automated stuff back in 2010 was like. So when Jarvis came along, and this is based on the GPT-3 algorithm, you've probably heard about that over the last year or so. Very interesting kind of natural language content generation algorithm that's been developed. And Jarvis, and there's other tools out there that, that use that. Um, to facilitate kind of like content creation. Um, But the idea is that you can input something and it it really can be like just a small phrase or, or something to get going, to get the tool going. And then it will understand what's in there. And then from what I understand, it looks on Google, looks on other articles ranking for these, these kind of terms and what else it can find online related to the inputs you've given it. And then it will actually construct something unique so it's not just spinning stuff. It will actually write something, and it's it's very legible. When we did the test, which will be on the YouTube video as well, you found it, I believe, quite difficult to tell what was human and yeah. what was AI. Well, the video was basically, we picked three topics, three keywords, and one was a review, one was a technical topic, and one was like a general article, something like this. And it's like we ordered the same article from a text broker, like the cheapest text broker. Two stars. And, and then uh, on the other side, we did, you did one quickly with this tool, basically. And it's like my, my goal was try to find which one is AI and which, saying which one I like the best, which sometimes was the same thing, by the way, I believe. But overall, yeah, it's like I thought it would be easier to figure it out. So the way I was trying to like spot the AI was trying to see how much reference there is to much earlier content in the content, because I don't believe AI will like reread its content and be like, as I said earlier, da, 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 et cetera. I think it's more going to be like sequential per paragraph. And so that was kind of my way to try and spot it. But actually, overall, one thing that I found is interesting, especially I believe that I liked the intros the most from the AI, much better than writers. And it's like a big debate we have internally on some of the sites we're working on. It's like, we find most of our writers write really shit intros and it's very difficult to make them write introductions that are not terrible. Whereas AI does follow usually this kind of pattern where it's like, they ask a question like, are you looking to do this? And it's like, then they kind of like roll it out. It flows quite nicely. And overall, I find like, I'm pretty sure I could replace introductions at least on many articles that on our sites with the AI ones. And I think the AI would be better. So overall, quite impressed. That kind of brings me on to like more about how we've been using the tool and what we've been what we've been doing with it. Because while it does have a mode where you can write a full article with it, we're not quite, I mean, we're still quite some way away from inputting a keyword and getting out human quality article without any kind of intervention or, or, or any further work. So it works better in smaller cases where you just want to write the intro or you want to um, answer a specific question or it, it can do like blog post outlines. It can do bios if you ever need that for your LinkedIn or Tinder or whatever. And it can do like social media headlines, email subject lines, ads. It's very good for, for, for yeah, doing stuff like that. I use that. it for that. I use it for ads. 
like for yeah, subject lines on emails. But I think what I've heard about creating long content is that people don't use it to come up with content from scratch. They use the rewrite module to basically spin off people's articles. So they just go online, they find an article for the topic, and they just essentially like there is a rewrite option that kind of like reward it type option, and they just take articles that are already written by humans and are well structured, etc. And they'll take the section and just tell it to be right. And it's basically a spinner that spins content that you can rank with. And I think I think it is interesting. If you like, if your ethical sense is uh, questionable, uh, <laughs> there is a lot of opportunities in terms of SEO, in terms of like fishing for seeing like where you could rank and then eventually maybe rewrite it properly, etc. But like just be like, okay, let's try to rewrite the competitor's article, see where I land. Do I have a shot at this keyword or not? Based on what Google does with this. Uh, I think it's it's interesting to like test the ground, etc. It's something so I, I, I think where this fits in is it's not going to beat a human writer for writing for you know a high difficulty keyword which has like a lot of competition and people are really trying to make good articles. It's it's nowhere near that. But there are a lot of keywords out there that have little or even no human writers competing yeah. against them. I'm talking about the stuff that you know has zero volume in all the search tools. Zero search. And you know, may actually only get like five people searching for it a month or something. If the cost of producing an article is zero or almost zero, and you can scale that production through automating the rewrites and you know automating the publishing as well, then you can potentially put output hundreds of thousands of articles for free with zero marginal cost. And then you can just target every single keyword that you could ever come across. And then as one website, boardgametips.com, has actually done, they produce 500,000 articles, they're DR3, and they have, in over the course of the last two months, gotten 1 million monthly visitors, according to Ahrefs. So it's probably even How more How do you know that, these sites? Is, Where did you see it? Someone posted this in the Authority Hacker Pro Facebook group and said it was, okay. they knew someone who said it was done, done by AI, I think. Did you verify that? No, but... There's no way to know if it's done by AI yeah, yeah. or not unless I mean, the person can, I says. But really I looked. Weird. I looked through the content, yeah. and I would be very surprised if this was written by humans. Let's put it that way. I, I might look into this for like a, an upcoming newsletter or something. Like I tend to do this kind of like. By the way, if you're not on a newsletter, I do these kind of like investigative newsletter that have been quite popular. So if you're not on the email list, go on toyhacker.com, sign up on the homepage. You will get to the free training world. Then you join the newsletter. So go ahead and do that. I believe you can also go to authorityhacker.com forward slash subscribe. As as well to get really? on there. I didn't even um, know. There's some good content uh, coming out every week from Gail, and you will be able to see in action sometimes email subject lines written by Jarvis. Yeah, actually, yeah, well. yeah, I test some of them sometimes. Yeah, so we we run A/B tests on the headline, right? We run like we test like last week I tested three, but I test between two and five usually per email and then we see it's and you know what it's always the trashiest headline that wins by the way it's always like it's like some people and some people then reply like oh your headlines are really like kind of like clickbaity etc i'm like i don't know it's just what people click on <laughs> like i write some much more moderate headlines and it's like nobody ever clicks on them so it's like if you guys want me to write less clickbaity headlines don't click on the clickbaity ones so i don't see ai content as replacing humans i see it as like very much something covering like a different end of the market and also being used by human writers to kind of augment them and get things done faster, get their intros out faster, etc. I don't think we're the machines are taking over yet. I think it's gonna be like that the other mass effect ending where like humanity and AI integrates. 
Yeah, I think it's like the comparison I was giving to people when I was mentioning it is like it's more like an exoskeleton. Like, you know, it's like people who just wear these suits and they become like big robots and they have all these strengths, etc. More like that than it is like a full robot that does everything for you. And I think that's the way you need to look at it. Right now, it is an, a human empowering tool more than like a fully automated thing that you can use. And it's it's something that I'm really looking into as well. It's like you know, having people, train people at using AI writing tools to create larger volumes of content for these kind of tiny keywords, etc. But one thing I wanted to mention as well, you said it doesn't replace humans. I think one part why it doesn't replace humans very well at all right now is converting people. It's making people like trust you, click on the link, buy something, etc. So I think for info content that's monetized with ads, I could see the use case already in terms of creating content and I would see where the money would come back to me. Whereas if you were trying to do like affiliate reviews with AI, etc., I think that'd be quite shit. And I think the review would be too shitty to convince anyone. And um, you would get some money, but like you'd be leaving a lot of money on the table. However, using it to test where your site might rank and might not rank, like, you know, get an AI article in like 30 minutes, post it, index it in Webmaster's console, and then look at where you're landing in Google. If you have like your surfer keywords, etc., they have a surfer integration actually. It's quite interesting. Like if you're, if you're landing like bottom of page one or someone on page two, etc., I'm like, oh, okay, maybe I will order that from my actual human writer and actually try to actually rank for that keyword. Whereas if I rank, you know, page seven, you know, it happens in SEO, right? Sometimes you think that you can rank, but you just write your article and you're like on page nine and you never see the call of page one. So that's kind of a like nice test for that. Anything else to say on Jarvis.ai or should we jump on the next one? Yes, if you go to authorityhacker.com forward slash recommends forward slash Jarvis, uh, you can get 10,000 free words on your Ooh. Jarvis account if you if you sign up. That's our affiliate link. Yeah, well, it's not bad. If you get some uh, free stuff as well, it's not bad to use it. Let's talk about the next one. And that one, Mark, you're not going to like it that much because it is a Mac-only tool, and I know you're, you're like a Mac hater. But you can't deny that how much notes I've been taking since I've been using this and how much content I've been creating through that. And that tool is called Craft Notes. It's not really an SEO tool, but rather just a note tool that is really, really nice to use. And because it's nice to use, it made me use it more. So it feels like a bit like Notion, you have blocks, etc. But it has a desktop app that's native as well. So you know when you use web apps, you have that kind of like half a second delay when you drag something, etc. And it's like, yes, it's usable, yes, it's fine, etc. But it's not nearly as nice as as using a desktop. I know you use like OneNote from Microsoft on your on Microsoft on your computer. Probably also because it is a desktop app and you get that kind of like more responsive feeling when you use the app. And it's kind of the same here, except like it does feel like these cool new web apps with blocks, but at the same time you get the native feeling of that. And I've been using it a lot to write content, brief content. You can do like unlimited bullets like you would do on Dynalyst, for example. It connects on all like the photos I take, etc. like the screenshots, like all my screenshots are just with like one slash away and putting them in my content, etc. And overall, I've been enjoying using this out. I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but go and check it out. There is a free version, so you don't have to pay for it. If you're an Apple user, Go check it out. But let's jump on to the next tool right now. I just want to say, I think with these kinds of personal notes organization tools, as you said, you've used it a hell of a lot more and you're a lot more productive using it. I can't use it because I'm not on not on Mac. I tried using Evernote before. It didn't particularly It's not the same at all, it. yeah. I think with these things, though, it's good to just like use whatever you personally want yeah, to yeah. use rather than try and enforce that on the, the whole company and kind of get everyone, you know, 
productive by by doing yeah, it that way. I'm fine with that. Like I'm I'm happy to work on it on my own level. And then if people want to join in, they can. If they don't want, they still share links. I can still share the content I make. What is cool as well is it makes kind of like a mini site because you can kind of have like a multiple level of pages. And for example, when I was working on the Core Vital Blueprint, like I made like all my notes were kind of like organized like the final course. Like you could go through the sub pages, etc. And for the video editor and for the people who are creating the notes, etc., that was really, really useful because they just had like that one URL they could go to is like they could find everything that they need to build. And I think that got us higher quality content in the end for the blueprint. So that was quite helpful. Check it out. It's cool and it's free trial. So I think you can have a thousand blocks for free and then you have to pay for it. But that's the same with most note taking tool. Although I know OneNote is free completely, I think. As long as you have Google, Google, uh, sorry, uh, Microsoft uh, One, whatever storage uh, left, whatever the name is, OneDrive, OneDrive, exactly. All right, let's jump on to the next one, which is going to be applied to more people, which is why I didn't want to spend too much time on this one, and that's going to be the new Generate Press and Generate Blocks together. And this has been quite a big deal for me because, as most people know, I used to be the guy who really, really was into page builders, mostly because they were extremely convenient and they allowed you to focus on the content rather than focusing on like how you're going to do things, which for most people is their main problem is they don't have enough content, they can't. And then it's not that their site is not like the fastest site in the world, etc. It's more like that they can't get stuff, enough stuff together to get enough traffic to build a, a business. And so the answer with Page Builder was quite interesting because you could just drag and drop and build your pages, etc. But as many people know, the drawbacks of page builders is they're heavy on your site, they take a lot of resources, they're not the most optimized output code as well, which means that you know when things like Core Vitals come up, etc., you don't end up with very good scores. And it can uh, when you get to a higher level, it does count. When you have made it past this point of like making like starting your, to build your initial business and getting to like job replacement income. And that's why I have no problem still recommending the Elementor setup to test members because you're not at that point yet, you know. But when you get to that point where you're making like five, six, seven, eight, nine K per month, then it's like, well, okay, like I, I might be leaving a little bit of money on the table by having a too slow site, less optimized site, etc. Um, but still I was willing to go through that and proof uh, the proof is that Autoy Hacker is still on Elementor right now. I was still willing, willing to go through that because of the faster output of content. But now Generate Press 3.0 and Generate Blocks brings pretty much everything that was very interesting in page builders, which is customizing your theme, like every area, the header, the footer, etc., And also uh, being able to build pretty much any design, like the Core Web Vitals sales page, for example. I wanted it to pass Core Web Vitals. It was part of like this launch for me. It was quite important. I hate when people like don't do what they say. So it's like, I couldn't get the whole Autoria Hacker site to pass Core Web Vitals because it was too much work and it's we're still working on it. But getting at least the sales page to pass Core Web Vitals, when you sell a training on Core Web Vitals, I think that's the minimum. So we've done that, we, and it's it's worked perfectly, and I've built a pretty complex sales page just using the new general press and generate block, and they can replace a page builder. And what I like mostly is like a lot of people will be like, oh, but there's also this cadence team, right? So cadence team is kind of like the main contender to generate press right now, and I would say it's even more popular, reading the conversations online, etc. It does seem more popular, but now. I'm at this point where I have quite a bit of experience building sites and just throwing away a bunch of technologies that we, we stopped using Thrive themes, going for Elementor, and then Elementor be itself became quite bloated. Uh, it's not too bad still, but like it, it, they were working on it, but you can see they're kind of like struggling a little bit. And then now there's like basically it's like Generate Press and Cadence would be the two that people would be going for if they want a fast site. And to be honest, they're toe-to-toe -to -toe in terms of page speed scores right now. It's not like 
What are you laughing at? I'm just thinking it's the direction of this. Like in five years' time, are you going to be coding like stuff in Notepad and just uploading in, raw? In Craft Notes. In Craft Notes, yeah. There will be like a, there's a code module in there if you want to try it. But it's not that. It's like the thing is like most companies start and their marketing, their startup marketing is like, oh, we have a fast technology, right? And then eventually people are like, oh, but we want accordions and we want uh, like gradients on this and all this stuff, etc. And they keep adding it because people are asking for it, etc. And they tend to, while they were lean at the beginning, become bloated eventually. And the reason you went for them initially just doesn't stand anymore several years later, right? And, and that's the problem. And the reason I love Generate Press is because Generate Press has been around for a long time. They've been around, I can't remember, but I think it's like, I would say 2013, 2014 was probably what they, when they started. And they've never bloated their theme. They've always kept it very lean, very minimal. Some people eventually caught up to them, but then they released a new version and they kind of like pushed the envelope more in terms of being lightweight and and speed rather than adding features. And they're not afraid on their support forum to be like, okay, here's the piece of CSS you add in your custom CSS, rather than building another feature that's loading for everyone on their theme, etc. And to be frank, Cadence right now is competitive with GeneratePress, but because we don't have this experience with that company, I can't say for sure that they're not going to fall into the same trap of keeping adding stuff that people ask to their theme and not be in that situation in three, four, five years where we'll be like, oh, Cadence seems so bloated, like, oh, there's this new theme that we need to change to. Like, now my goal is to really, like, change technology as little as possible because it's a massive cost, especially on big sites. And I can't say for sure GeneratePress is going to do a good job, but I can say that from history, we can tell that GeneratePress has been able to hold that line and not bloat their themes and just like just add what was necessary. And they literally write code for you in the support forum if you need to have functions that are not built in rather than you know building something in the actual core theme, etc. And that's why I quite like it because now you get to build things within Gutenberg, which so it's going to be evolving with WordPress, and you get to be able to edit your header, your footer, etc. in a decently easy way. It's not as good as Elementor, but it's decent, while having really, really good performances. And a company that has, with, like, with time, shown that they are willing to not bloat their product, which has been the problem with most of these companies. It's not when they come out the problem. It's more like three, four, five years down the line when they've added a bunch of stuff. So I'm hoping they hold their line. But if they do, then I hope we don't have to like hope on to something else. And a lot of site builders do that, right? But I hope we don't have to build onto something else in a few years. That's really my hope on that. And... Yeah, that's basically it. Anything else to say on uh, anything you want to say on GeneratePress? No, I just think the with Generate Blocks, just because they have like four options. It's only four blocks, yeah. For blocks, for elements that you, and you can do, you know, most stuff you need with those. It's pretty good, pretty good idea. Uh, yeah, I, because it loads less code. There's still stuff that you kind of like, we still use some like custom stuff now because we use Generate Blocks more. Like for example, styling images, like you can, within the WordPress image block, you can actually build the uh, styles. There's like a shitty one with rounded corners in the initial one, but you can build custom ones. Like we've built some on Atari Hacker, etc. It's not very hard with a front-end developer. So we tend to pay some people per hour to add these styles within WordPress, but they, it blows the site a lot less basically. So I would, yeah, it's, uh, maybe that's because of our own evolution as well in terms of being comfortable with the tech as well. For beginners, it's still going to be quite intimidating because it's not as intuitive. You don't see the output in the front end of the site when you're building something. You just have to kind of like abstract it in your head and understand the width of 
the page and things like that, which is why for absolute beginners, a lot of people who are going through the authoritative system, etc. It's like, I'm not sure they're 100% ready. I will probably make like a YouTube tutorial that is like an alternative build for that or something like showing how I would build a site on GeneratePress. But in general, you shouldn't be afraid to go for Elementor and page builders when you are building your first site. But then later on, when you are making good money, it's also something that you might want to look at moving on from. And that's why, for example, in the authority side system, we tell people to build their content in Gutenberg, even though they're using a page builder, because then if they switch, there's nothing to migrate, you know, it's just like you just changed your theme, basically. And that is a pretty good compromise. So that's basically generate price. Really, really like it, really enjoy building themes, uh, building sites with it rather. And so far, so good. Fingers crossed we don't have to hop onto something else at some point. Do you want to talk about the next tool? Yeah, the next tool is frame.io. So we've been producing video for Authority Hacker for, well, actually for about six years, if you include our, our courses, uh, public facing video like this podcast and the other videos on our YouTube channel um, for around, what, a year and a half now? Yeah, uh, yeah, something like this. And it's uh, it's difficult to edit it with a remote team. When you want to give feedback on a on a video and you have to say, well, at, on this version of the file at zero minutes and 57 seconds, move this the, this box over to the right. Like that's difficult to do and to write down. You often have to record a screencast and talk about it and all that stuff. Well, there's a tool called frame.io, which makes that super easy. It's basically like collaborative feedback system. It's like Google Docs. Kind, kind of like what you have on Google Docs, but for video. And it works collaboratively. It's just, it's really, really good. We use that to give feedback to our editor and other people throughout the publishing process and get videos looking, you know, more like we want them to. So I would recommend it if you're doing any kind of video for your authority site, if you're doing a podcast, if you have a YouTube channel, if you're making info products like uh, video training courses as well. Yeah, one thing that you forgot to mention that I think is a big deal as well is if you're paying a video editor, well, you're paying per hour usually, like the freelancers. And the comments that you drop into frame.io, they don't have to go on the website and read it and then go back because actually it appears on their timeline inside whatever tool they use, whether they use Adobe Premiere, DaVinci Resolve or Final Cut Pro, it's going to show directly on the timeline so they get to resolve the comments as they're editing. They don't have to like go on the browser, read something and go back on the timeline, find the right time, etc. It's going to show exactly what they need to do stuff. And what that means is that if you are paying someone per hour to edit your video content, you are going to be saving quite a bit of money because they are going to spend less time finding what they want in terms of your comments. And so you will pay them less hours. And so the price of the tool, like how much does it cost from the IO? Uh, I just check actually, there's actually a free, there's a free plan for two GB of storage and then it's uh, $15 per user per month for 250 uh, GB of storage, which is pretty good. Two GB of storage, you could literally work on like some videos. You could maybe do one video at a time or something. I think it's probably to try like one video, more videos. Usually. Just to two try GB. it out really. Yeah, but it's it's not expensive either way. Yeah, but like I think 15 bucks per user per month. So let's say it's you and your video editor, so it's $30. You can save that in time just by how much time they save on like going to find your feedback, going back to the timeline, etc. And I think that's something that people who have never edited video will not understand necessarily, but just know your video editor is going to be more productive with that tool. And it's probably worth buying it just for that, actually. Anything else? No. All right, let's jump on to the next one, which is also going to concern a lot of people listening to this podcast, and that's Affiliate Table. So Affiliate Table is, and there's a lot of tools like that. It's a tool that builds affiliate tables or product features a bit like you would see like on the wire cutter, on a lot of affiliate sites, on your site. And so the good thing with that tool is that it's not 
a WordPress plugin. I know people don't want to install WordPress plugins to keep their sites fast, but the good news for you is it's not a WordPress plugin. You do need to add like one piece of JavaScript on your site, but it's not heavy. I've actually literally opened the JavaScript file and like read everything that was in there, etc. It's quite small. Like I wouldn't panic over that file. It's like if you want to load any kind of design and have these kind of like buttons, features, etc., it's it, you need to do that. Um, but what you do is you log in on their site, create your table, and they give you the code and you put it in like a block in Gutenberg and boom, you have a very well-designed high conversion comparison table or product feature that you can put on your blog post that looks nice with your brand colors, with your affiliate links and all of that. And and it's really quite easy. And also I've checked the, the, the file they load on your site and they actually load it through Bunny CDN, which is a really good CDN. Uh, I've talked to them and so it's going to be fast. You will get fast, well-designed, high conversion, Product tables, and on top of that, you can buy it lifetime, which means that you can maybe try it for a month. There's actually a free version, so try it for the free version. You can connect your Amazon API to it, which means that you can retrieve like Amazon products directly from the builder tool as well. So you save a bunch of time. It catches the image and everything. Can you do pricing like legally according to their terms of service with that as well? I can't remember, but I think you might be able to. Yes, I think I can't remember exactly if you can do that. So uh, go and check that. But overall, it is cool. And if you like it, you can actually pay lifetime. So you don't have, you know, these things just add up. It ends up being a bunch of subscriptions. It's quite nice when tools, you just pay one off and you don't have to pay again. In that case, for a single site, you could be paying $199, never have to pay again. And yeah, so it's nice. It's it's still quite cheap. Even if you were using it two years, it's less than 10 bucks a month. It's much cheaper than many other alternatives that you will find on the market. And uh, it's pretty well featured, so I would recommend you check that out. Okay, so let's jump on to the next tool, which is Figma. Now, a while ago, maybe three, four months ago, I was creating a free tool for uh, Authority Hacker Pro members. It was a very, very, very basic tool. What was it again, actually? We were doing the title tag tester. Yeah, that's the one, for your on-page SEO blueprint. and. Basically, we coded it up and you know did what it needed to do, but it looked like shit. So I went on Upwork, found a UX designer, and within a couple of days, they had produced what, something which looked amazing. Like it was so so much better than than the, the the undesigned version. I'll put a link to it below this video. If you're an AH Pro member, you can go check it out and see what it looks like. But during that process, he used a tool called Figma to show us what it was going to look like. And I was sort of leaving comments on there, giving feedback. It's basically a collaborative design tool. It's like Google Docs meets Photoshop specifically for like web design. Though. It's, it's actually more than that. I don't think you have realized, but what it does as well is it writes the CSS so that the front-end designer can go and grab the CSS of the way things look, etc. So you can just copy-paste. So the front-end developer as well ends up spending a lot less time implementing that design in real life. And that's why it's really powerful, actually. Yeah. During the design process, though, the, the collaborative nature of it, like, it works in real time. So the designers, I, I can actually watch them build it, and then I can change something, like I could change the text if they put the, the, the text wrong, rather than having to give them some feedback and say, oh, change this to this, change this to this. And I can also leave comments and they can they can see it and multiple people can can do that. It's just really, really good. We're actually redesigning, not totally redesigning, but just not like changing some, changing some layouts of some pages on Authority Hacker at the moment. And it's been really useful to, to have that tool. So when we hired the designer to help us do that, one of the things we put on the job ad was we'd prefer if you could use a tool 
such as Figma to make collaboration online much, much easier. I think it brings it closer to a situation where like you're kind of in the same room as someone and you can talk about it. The design is not all the way there, but it's it's much closer than... I think it feels like Google Docs for design, basically, to yeah. me. It's like the way you... At Google Docs for design and also kind of like deduplicating work. So like, you know, the designer figures out the design and then the front-end developers doesn't have to go and like, oh, how do I make this look like this on the site or something? Like all the measurements, etc. are still here. You can take all the margin numbers, all of that, and they just like, they can import it and it's much, much faster. So you end up spending less money on your front-end dev. But that is a bit more of an advanced tool. Like most people don't need to hire designers to start their first site. So this is more for like, again, when you're like on a higher level with your brands, etc. Then it kind of starts making sense to do all these migrations, kick out the page builder, work out with a front-end dev and do all these other things that are like essentially like translating to a more serious business and more like traditional way of building websites rather than just the full DIY setup. But it's pretty good in that way. And you can also work on many other things if you want to make an app or if you want to make anything like that, uh, a member area as well and things like that. You can work on Figma. You can also work on Figma to make diagrams. Like I was using it to plan some sitemaps, for example. I was testing it for that the other day. It's pretty okay as well. So overall, pretty good tool. I think there's a free version that you can use and do some stuff with without paying for it. Don't think if you're doing small things, you don't really need to pay for it. The thing as well is most likely if you hire a freelance designer, they will have a subscription and so you don't need to pay for it. That's what's happening in our case, for example. Let's jump on to the next tool and the next tool is going to be Bunny CDN. Bunny CDN, as its name says, is a CDN. CDN means Content Delivery Network. Essentially, they take, essentially, as someone takes a shot or something, they take your biggest files, so like usually your JavaScript files, maybe your CSS style sheets and your images, and they're going to duplicate them on servers across the world so that physically the files are closer to your visitors than if it was served from your original server. So if someone is visiting a Tory hacker from Singapore, but uh, the server is in New York, maybe we have a duplicate server in Hong Kong or something, and it's like much faster for that big image file to load with our face on the homepage or something. And so that helps the site load faster. Bunny CDN is great because it's fast. It has an image optimization service that allows you to resize images on the fly. So let's say, you know, if I load an image on my 4K screen, I need the biggest resolution because it's like high res. But if I load it on my phone, I don't need a 4K image. I need like just an image that fits the size of my screen. It does all of that automatically uh, with one of the services. This thing is called Bunny Optimizer. They actually have something called a full duplication service that duplicates all your files on their servers permanently as well, which allows your site to be quite a bit faster. They can also host videos if you want to do that. And we do that through a plugin, a WordPress plugin called Presto Player right now. And that works pretty well. And most importantly, it's cheap. <laughs> really cheap. Yeah, most of our like, you know, affiliate sites, stuff like that, they cost like a few bucks per month to optimize. And the speed increase is pretty significant. We use it in conjunction with WP Rocket and they work perfectly fine together as a normal CDN. And so on most of the new sites that we are building right now, and even when we are done with the redesign for Toy Hacker, we will be uh, moving it to that service right now. It's running on Nitro Pack. But Bunny CDN plus the, that other setup is actually uh, better, faster, and much cheaper. Therefore, we are going to be moving all our sites to that if they're not moved already. And we really enjoy it and they've been really good and it's really cheap. 
So there's not much else to say. Like, as I said, I don't like to spend a lot on subscriptions, etc. And the more I can cut that cost and get good value, the better it is for me. And talking about good value, I think the next tool is like 100% free. So go ahead. Yeah. So the, the next tool is called Slab and it's a team wiki software. And we actually signed up to it probably it paid, um, yeah. <laughs> end of last year. And it was a paid tool then. They charged, I think it was like five bucks per user or something, but mm -hmm. they've rejigged their payment, their pricing plans. So for up to 10 users to do most of what you'd realistically need to do, it's totally free, which I think is awesome. And I would highly recommend, yeah, if you're planning on having some kind of company wiki, for example, to do SOPs. Yeah. Uh, this is where it's come, come in really useful. And you may think, oh, why, why can't I just use Google Docs? Well, you can. And we've tried that in the past. And it's, it's just, messier, yeah. it's not, it's, it's messier because like docs can blend in with other like, no, you know, non-SOP or docs. It's just like having all of them in one place in a very nicely, like, it looks good. Yeah. Nice UI. It looks good. It's easy to use. Ooh, you start easy to share, even with externally. Yeah, it's <laughs> it, it's kind of like if Apple were to make uh, an SOP system, this would be it. And that it kind and of it's comes free. across. And unlike most of Apple stuff. Yeah. So when we started using it, I noticed that Gail, especially, who's very someone who's very difficult to get to like do an SOP or document anything. But, you know, he, he is now arguably the SOP champion in our business. You know, he's, he's, he's writing it. Uh, I think if we look at the usage statistics, he's created more than anyone else in Slab. So, you know, it's, if you can get someone like Gail on board with, with SOPs and documenting things, then it's maybe worth thinking about in using in your team as well, especially, as I said, because it's free. You can also, if you have more, like we have more than 10 writers, for example, but we don't give them all access to it. You can share but documents certain... without giving access as well. Like you can make a link for it and share it with someone, yeah. they can read it. But you only invite people who write, you know? And that's, yeah. how, that's how it works. So it's, you Which can have means that even if you have more, more than 10 people on your team, as, as long as there's less than 10 people creating SOPs, then, you know, have at it. Yeah, uh, and I think that it's a debate to open. I think it's like I was uh, listen, I was watching a video from this guy. You probably know it, like this UK doctor called uh, Ali Abdal. Like he's kind of like a productivity YouTuber. He's really cool. And it's like he was talking about this delight of using an application or a tool or something. It just makes you use it more. It makes you like care more about the output that it looks better, etc. I think a lot of these tools like. The ones I selected, at least, they, they match that a lot. Like, there are many other tools than Craft Notes, for example. There are many, and the next tool is going to be very much like that, too. But what it does, like, when I enjoy these tools, I actually get more stuff done. I'm willing to walk after 8 p.m. on that tool and do something that, instead of, like, going to watch some stupid TV show or something like that. And, like, it, building that environment that you enjoy walking in, especially when it doesn't cost you more. Like, I care also about the cost. I'm not always willing to throw a bunch of money at tools just because they're nicer. I think it's more important than many people will give it credit for. And if you, even if you don't care, people who work with you might care and you might get more out of them if you give them the tools they actually enjoy using. And Slab is definitely one of those where it's like, ah, no, it's fine, we have this on Google Docs, why do we need this? Try it, try to get some people use it just the way, like you write your SOP, it's very nice the way the headlines look, etc. It looks like you did something cool. And it just like just that makes you want to do it more. So highly recommended and really caring about that delight of use is very interesting. 
And the next one I'm going to talk about is very much like that. Again, it's going to be a Mac exclusive. I'm sorry, Mark, you are excluded again. <laughs> but it's up to you. You could just get an M1 Mac. Now they're very cheap and uh, they're very good, actually. But anyway, the next one I'm going to be mentioning is Pixelmator Pro. So we have mentioned Canva in the past, but again, I'm kind of like at war with subscriptions. And while Canva is really cool because what it does, it gives you a lot of stock images. And I think a lot of people have been paying for stock images, subscriptions, etc. I think replacing that with Canva makes sense. But if you're not paying for a stock image subscription and you want something that is a little bit closer to Photoshop, but a lot easier to use, like really a lot easier to use with this kind of like delight of using really, really nice UI. You know, I get like Paulina, my fiance, she uses that for a lot of the stuff she works on with us, for example. It has some very interesting tools, for example, has a tool that does AI rescaling. And what it is, is like, it takes like a low res image. And it's like, let's say you have a, an image that's like 500 pixel wide. Typical when we have a guest on the podcast, right? People have terrible photos. Please stay, if you want to be on podcast, take good photos. Otherwise, I'm going to get mad at you. But anyway, people send you this really, really low res photo that was taken on the phone from eight years ago. It's terrible. And you want to put it on a high res thumbnail and you stretch the image and literally their eyes are like pixels, you know, and it's terrible. Well, this tool actually has this thing where you can say, oh, I want this 500 pixel wide image to be a 2000 pixel wide image. And it does with AI come up with new pixels and kind of like repopulate the image so that it does look a lot less pixelated. It's not perfect, like it's, but it does a really quite a good job at this kind of stuff. And it's quite useful when you want to put, let's say, product images from manufacturers that have low-res images and things like that. And so that is quite cool. They also have AI image optimization. So like they, they you know, analyze the color, the white balance, etc. It's been particularly good. It's something that we've done on a recent project, again with Paulina, retouching stock photos so they look a lot less like, like stock photos. So it tries to give it a more natural look to it. So it changes the white balance, the saturation and all of that, literally with the click of two or three buttons. And that's pretty cool, actually. So that tool does that. It has optimized web exports as well. You can export in WebP and things like that. So for web designers, it's, uh, web developers, etc., it's pretty good. For most people who are not professional designers, you can do everything Photoshop can do. And there's no subscription. And it's $39.99 for your entire life. I've been, I've been using it for like four years or something. And it costs you 40 bucks, which is like the price of like three months of Photoshop if you buy the subscription or something. So anytime I need to do anything that's designed for marketing, I don't really use Canva unless I really want their bank of images. Uh, I know the team uses Canva, but personally, I just opened that tool and it's really, really good. It's one of the tools that would make it very difficult for me to move away from a Mac, actually. It's like this and Final Cut and ScreenFlow, the tool that I use for screen capture. It's like, they're like so nice that I would not want to give that up. I don't mind Windows, but I definitely mind the alternative to these tools on Windows, you know? I don't want to open the whole Mac versus <laughs> Windows debate. I'm, but ba like, I'm, I'm baiting let's, you. Uh, let's open that can. What goes through a product owner's mind when they're like, we're going to make an app just for just for Mac? Now, I understand maybe they do that to begin with. Like yeah, Apple yeah. users tend to have more money and stuff. But, you know, Craft, Eventually, for example, yeah, yeah. Yeah, on their notes, on, on their, on their, on their um, you know, it's, it's a reasonable size now, but on their support, they're like, no, we have no plans to make a Windows version. And I'm like, why? I agree. Are, I, I are don't you not think a business. I, I know, I know. It's like, 
I mean, as a user, that's why I wouldn't want to swap, but I agree that they should open up to everyone. It's kind of stupid as a business as well to not do that. I think there's kind of like some Apple like, can snobism. You, can you imagine making a web, uh, uh, an authority <laughs> a website, site and, and, and just Apple saying, sorry, this, like, this is only for uh, you know Mozilla Firefox users. If you're using anything else, it's not going to work. Yeah, sorry. No, it's terrible. It's, it's a bad idea, but it's a reality of the market for some of these tools. And actually, it's a good deal. I mean, like if you're doing a lot of um, image uh, work, like buying a Mac makes a lot of sense and using Pixelmator over paying a subscription for Photoshop. There's alternatives like Affinity Designer, for example, and Affinity Photo is pretty good alternative to Photoshop and works on Mac and PC. So there is alternatives, but it's like not as nice to use. It's just like, it, it's kind of like a, a budget Photoshop, this other one, whereas this one has its own personality. And it's just simpler. Like as a person who is not a professional designer, I feel more comfortable using this than uh, using Photoshop because Photoshop is a bit too much for me sometimes. So yeah, that's basically it. I know it's stupid, but uh, Pixelmator, if you have a Mac, is really good. And this AI scaling, etc. I do we do use that quite often in material that people see all the time. Like even our designers don't have it, so I do it for them and then I send it to the designer with the scaling so that it looks better, you know? So that's the kind of stuff that happens. Let's jump onto the, the last tool of the list actually. And that last tool is going to be ConvertBox. ConvertBox has just been, uh, let's say what it is first before the history. It is a lead gen, so it's a pop-up or call to action tool for your site. So you can do these like hello bars and pop-ups and you know, these things that pop on the right, pretty much any call to action that you would want to put on your site. These are really powerful to promote both FA offers and to collect emails on your site. They have just been bought out by the guys who run Thrivecart. And we've been very happy with Thrivecart as well. Uh, we've been using it for a long time, processed like multiple seven figures through it and had no problem. And overall, these guys have earned our trust as users. It allow, like ConvertBox allows you to do like complex targeting, not only for like, ah, oh, do people come from Google or Facebook or st stuff like that? But you can actually connect it back to things that, like, what, which list people are on on your email tool, for example. So we could be like, oh, we are trying to sell this product to these people, so let's show them this call to action, but show this other one to these other people, etc. So you can do that kind of stuff. It connects to Google Analytics. And it does pretty much everything Optin Monster does for a subscription for us right now, I think we pay $600 per year for Optin Monster, which is pretty expensive, but most of these lead gen tools are getting expensive because they understand that they make a lot of money to webmasters. And a good thing with ConvertBox is it's a one-off tool. It's like you can actually buy one off and never pay for it again. So it's not cheap. I think it's around $400 and they kind of have this mechanic, the same as Thrivecart, where you go on the site, they say it's closed, you have to give your email, they send you an invitation, it's complicated. But eventually you land on a one-off price around four or $500, depending on the options you take. And they allow you to use like, I think it's 300,000 impressions per month, but I think they said they would give, they, they would upgrade it to a million when it was sold to Thrivecart. So it might be upgraded to a million soon for that price, million impressions of pop-up per month. If you have this many impressions, it's really not hard to make that money back, especially when it's a one-off. So overall, it's a really good CTA slash lead gen tool that is a one-off price, unlike most of the competition that now charges per month or per year, maybe per week soon. And so we are swapping from Optin Monster to this with the new design of Atari Hacker and on some other sites as well. And I recommend it for having played with it quite a bit in the last few weeks to figure out how it works. It looks pretty good. 
and we cut another subscription, which uh, I, I think that's a, that's a good thing for people. And I understand it annoys people when they have to sign up for a dozen subscriptions and it's eating their profit and stuff. So sometimes paying a bit more one-off for tools is great versus paying a subscription and, and having like 50 subscriptions run at once. Any kind of uh, final words of wisdom on the tools and everything? Yes, just always be aware <laughs> of uh, tool bloat. Um, I was going to say that, yeah. This is something we sort of try and mention every time we, we, we do these kind of po podcasts. Anyone who has a subscription to AppSumo knows how easy it is and how addictive it is to like buy the latest tool and then, you know, you're in a subscription and you never use it and, and whatnot. But, you know, these are tools we're actually using. Some of you may find them useful in some circumstances. So, yeah. Yeah, don't buy too many tools. Don't get addicted to all the new stuff that comes out. To be frank, like... These are, I mean, even Pixar Mator Pro, like I didn't mention it very often, but I've been using it for several years. Like we probably only picked up like four or five tools this year and half of them have been replacing all the tools and like we've cut the subscription or whatever. So it's like, I think we're doing a much better job now at being lean with tools than we were like four or five years ago. I think uh, it's probably this getting older thing, you know, but uh, yeah, it's, you will be baited into buying a million tools and Marketing is going to do a good job at making you want it and make you think that you absolutely need it. Most of the time you don't. And when you have to buy tools, try to get lifetime subscriptions. It tends to be cheap. I mean, no, when we buy, let's talk about that. When we buy tools, how do we do this, Mark? What is the, what is the, the process usually? So, you know, if, if it's not available on lifetime, then there's kind of like a different debate there. But usually never buy the annual subscription, only buy the, the, the monthly one even though it's more, much more expensive. I think the only tool we have on, light, on annual subscriptions is Active Campaign. Yeah. All of the others, even tools we've been using for sort of like six years, it's still on, on monthly because just having that flexibility is really important. You've seen how often we, we change um, our, our, our tool stack um, and that flexibility is more important than any like perceived short-term savings from from it. Yeah, I mean, I would say maybe we're a bit extreme on the monthly thing. Uh, like for example, I don't, I think, changing like project management system, et cetera, we could probably pay yearly. I don't know if we do, but if we don't, probably should look at that. But overall, yeah, it's nice to like try it like two, three months, pay monthly. And then most of the time you will not use that tool three months later. And you can save nine months of subscription by doing that. So pay monthly first. And if you've been using, like give yourself a time, maybe a reminder on your calendar or something. And if you're still using that tool, feel free to buy yearly and save some money. Otherwise, just stick to the monthly stuff if you're not 100% sure. And I think that will save you a bunch of money when you buy tools. And if you can buy Lifetime at that point, that's when you do that and you save a bunch of money as well. So yeah, that's pretty much it for this podcast. What we'd like you to do actually in this week's episode to do something a bit different is if you have a tool that you have been liking a lot this year, we would like you to go on the YouTube video for this podcast. If you're not on it, if you're listening to the audio, if you're watching, just go on the comment section below and tell us which tool that you've enjoyed the most this year because we're always looking for new tools to improve our own processes and we're always curious to see what you guys use. So thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, don't forget to give it a thumb up and subscribe if you are not subscribed yet. And we'll see you next week or in two weeks rather for another episode. Bye. Bye.